0: I mean, I know God met us, but maybe just the extra cold weather or something, there's a special, like, man, they made it here this morning, I'm going to show up, and I so appreciate the words that have been spoken, and what God's done already, and I, we're going to look in, in the Bible here, and just believe for God to continue to do that, but I, man, I, I appreciate what Elaine said about the faithfulness of God, and that whole word, and the different ways that God promises, and has been faithful to us, and I was just thinking this morning about how faithful God has been to me and how faithful God has been to to me and, and us as a church in 2017. And I think, you know, I know every one of us, if we would look back, we would say, wow, God, you've been so good. You've been so faithful to me over the past year. And um, it's cool hearing the financial stories from the past just couple weeks. That's really neat. I, we had we had more that we I could talk about for an hour actually about what God's done in our life in the last three weeks our, we were facing some huge medical bills, and just things were looking look, we're not looking good financially, and since then we've had twenty thousand dollars that's been covered over that and probably more that's 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 going to be covered yeah it just wasn't looking like it was it doesn't look like it was going to be. <clears throat> And God has just provided funds beyond that that we had no idea where they were coming from. And so God is, God is faithful in, in many different ways. Sometimes in obvious ways like that and sometimes not so, not so obvious ways. But as, as Rob said, we're, the next three weeks we're doing a message series called First Things First. And a lot of times, you know, this is a big book. There's a lot in here. And you, you start coming around church stuff and following Jesus. There, there are a lot of truths, a lot of things that we learn, but there are a few essentials. There are a few first things that are kind of like like handles. I was handles for our life. You could sort of call them love handles if you want. They're like, you know, you can hold on to them, and they're just they're they're there. We're gonna look at three simple love handles over the next three weeks. That kind of everything boils down to this. And the next week, Rob's going to talk about the greatest commandments <coughs> that Jesus said, the most important commandments. And two week, the week after that, <coughs> we're going to talk about the Great Commission. And today we're talking about Matthew 6.33, which is, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything else. All these other things will be added to us as well. So this is a first thing, something we are to seek first above all else, and everything else will be added to us. As well, And so I always, we're, I'm going to read this passage. God help us, open our eyes, keep, keep giving us ears to hear as we look at your word. Uh, we're going to start in, in verse 25. This is a very familiar passage. We're going to read through this and jump around a little bit more this morning. But just trusting that God is going to help us to, to see the, the importance of the kingdom of God in a new way and how that applies to our life. In verse 25, Jesus is, is teaching here. He says, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, or what you will eat, or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Isn't that life more than food, and the body more than clothing? You know, I like how in, in our society, I, I don't know if you've noticed this, but I've noticed, it seems like even in the last couple of years, the, the idea of having anxiety has become almost like having brown hair. <laughs> it's like, it, people, it's, it's entered our, our, our vocabulary. Like, I have anxiety about this. I have anxiety about this. I have anxiety. And it's stated in a way as if, like, hey, this is just the way things are. And there's really, you know, maybe I, I need to cope with that. But the assumption is, is that I have anxiety. And Jesus says something radically opposite to that. He says... Do not be anxious about your life. Now, there's something healthy about recognizing, okay, these yes, this is something I am afraid, and God's not saying to, to not be honest. But he's saying, where you are anxious, bring that to him, because there's a better way to live than having anxiety. And so he's going to tell us, how do we come into that? That's good stuff, right? Doesn't that sound better to live a life without having anxiety than having anxiety? Yeah, that's what he says. Don't be anxious. even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Now there's a lot in there. God, Jesus is telling us, there, this is sort of, set, sort of setting up what he's about to lead into. Saying God will provide for your needs. You're more valuable than the birds, they are. Don't worry about your clothes. They look at these flowers. I mean, they don't do anything, but they're more beautifully arrayed than the most wealthy man in all of history. How much more does God care about you, and is He going to care for you? And so, there's certain assumptions here, certain underlying beliefs that are so important that we need to know that that God is for us, that God cares about us, that God wants to take care of our needs, that God is good, that He's a provider. And that's, and that we are valuable, that in the eyes of God that he looks at our life and says, you know, we, I think I sort of feel like a lot of times, oh man, I got this need and oh shoot, I'm on my own and man, it's sort of this whole, like we live in the, the, the mentality of our culture is the survival of the fittest sort of idea, you know, which is life without God, it is just survival of the fittest. And it's like, oh my goodness, you know, there aren't enough resources and resources. The earth is warming, and man, I've got to scratch and claw to survive. Like, there's that sort of mentality. And if I don't, if, you know, I'm just a little peon on this planet. But God says, no, you're much more valuable than the fish. or He doesn't say the fish. The, the birds. But you are more valuable than fish, too. <laughs> that's, that's just extra. <coughs> the fish, flowers, all of that. God says, you're more valuable than that. He goes on. In verse 31 says, Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles, and that's the way of saying, those who don't know God, as was the case at most, most of the time in, in this time in history, for the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your Heavenly Father knows that you need them all. You know, God knows what our needs are. And I'll take it a step farther. And not, God not only knows what our, our basic needs of survival are, but he knows what our, the deepest yearnings of our heart are as well. The, the yearning for significance, the yearning for relationships, the yearning for, for purpose, and a life of, of success, and, and what success really means of, of, of accomplishing something significant. Those are desires that God has put in our heart. And all throughout the Scripture, in Psalm 37.3, it says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. But God knows what we need. God knows what we, what we want, what we truly want. And, but there's a, there's a key. He's willing to abundantly provide for every need that we have and every true yearning that we have. But there's a key. It's not guaranteed. It doesn't happen to everybody. And the key is here in verse 33. He says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things will be added to you. We've, a lot of you have seen, we've done this illustration a couple different times in the past of like having a big glass bowl with a bunch of balls of different sizes. You've got golf balls and marbles and softballs and baseballs. And we actually have two glass bowls. And if you start, and, the, 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 and then so the, the big balls represent, like, the important things in your life, your relationships, your family. You know, the biggest one would be God. And then the smaller ones would be your, your interests, your hobbies, you know, your job, somewhere in there and different things. And if the illustration is if you, put the, if you put the little balls in the fish bowl first, I don't know why I keep talking about fish today, but it just keeps coming around. If You put those in first, and then you try to put the bigger ones in afterwards, there's not room. But if you do it the other way around, if you put the big balls in first, put God's the football or something, you stick the football in there, and then all the other ones sort of fall in the cracks. And that's how it is with the kingdom of God and his righteousness. We tend to be like, oh man, I got all these worries, I got all this other stuff, I got to pay the bills, I got to do this. I don't have I don't have time for that stuff, but there's a God's kingdom works just miraculously, and when we put Him and His kingdom first, all these other things are added to us, as well. And so the kingdom of God, seek first the kingdom of God. What is that? What is the kingdom of God? I you know it's interesting. I my parents were believers, and they actually had a they were married in 1973, and back in that time there in. In Christianity, there were a lot of interesting things. There was the whole Jesus movement that came out of the hippie movement. And they had, someone had made for them, when they got married, someone asked them, what's your life verse? And they, said, they chose this verse. They said, the kingdom, seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added to you as well. And it's amazing to see how that has worked in my parents' life. But they had this, this person say, so well, I want to make a big banner of this sign for you. And so it's this literally like six-foot-tall felt, banner with felt letters that they made, and it hung with, like, this wooden curtain rod thing on the top, and it hung in our living room when I was a kid. I remember seeing this thing, and it it was like, I I don't know what happened to it. I I need to ask my parents, like, do you still have that? But it was there most of my years growing up, and so there was this idea, and like I said, my parents lived that out. But I actually grew up in, in church, but I very rarely heard the kingdom of God talked about. I heard a lot about the the gospel kind of boiled down to accept Jesus so you'll be forgiven of your sins and you'll go to heaven when you die. And then you really need to tell the whole world about that because people are perishing. People need that. And that is a thousand percent true. Everything I just said is true. But that isn't really the, the central message that you get when you read the Bible. The central message of the New Testament is the kingdom of God. And the, when, when John the Baptist showed up on the scene, he said, repent. In Matthew 3, 2, repent for the kingdom of God is, is at hand. Um, the kingdom of heaven or is another, is another way to say the kingdom of God is at hand. Jesus showed up on the scene in, in the next chapter, and he said the same thing when he started his ministry. In Matthew four seventeen, he said, from that, it says, from that time Jesus began to preach, saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven. Is at hand, And then, a few verses later, in verse 23, it says, it, says it, it describes what that looked like. And it says, He went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. So he was proclaiming this gospel of the kingdom of God. And he was backing it up by bringing the goodness of God. As people were getting healed, people were getting set free from oppression, and the power of the enemy. There was the goodness of God coming into the world. And that really is what the kingdom of God is. Because the kingdom of God is literally the rule and reign of God. It's where God's reign is being experienced on earth. Jesus, when when the disciples asked Jesus, hey, teach us how to pray, he said, pray like this, Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in, in heaven. And so the kingdom of God is God's reign as it is in heaven, coming to the earth. And that is what is unfolding throughout history. It's the place of shalom, it's a place of flourishing, it's a place of blessing, of righteousness. In, in Romans 14, 17, it says the kingdom of God is righteousness, joy, and peace in the Holy Spirit. The kingdom of God is where God is reigning, and his righteousness, his peace, and his joy is coming. And so. Man, that's that's what God tells us to seek first. Not just going to heaven when we die, but his reign coming into our lives here and now. And then coming into the world through our lives in the here and now. And so, how do we seek first the kingdom? What does that look like? Well, I'm going to turn over to a story, um, another pretty well-known story, Mark 10, verse 23. This is the story of the... He's often known as the rich young ruler. Here's an example of someone who was given the invitation to seek first the kingdom. And I want us to, to read this looking at, put ourselves in the place of that young man. Because I think, I can certainly relate to him. Maybe not the, the rich in the sense of, you know, he was, the first description of his name was rich. But, he, but much, of, much of what's going on in his life. So in verse 17, Mark 10, it says, that he, Jesus was setting out on his journey, A man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And it's important to see when he's asking about eternal life, he's not just saying, how do I go to heaven when I die? That's often what we think of when we hear eternal life, but it's could be translated infinite life. How can I inherit the fullness of life? That in my heart, I know that there's something I was, there was an experience of life, a fullness of life I was meant to live. And by the fact that he's asking this question, we know that he wasn't experiencing that the way that he knew that he he yearned to experience it. And so he's coming to Jesus, how can I experience this, this eternal life, this life from above? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And the man said to him, teacher, all these I have kept from my youth. I've been, I've been obeying these commandments. I've been being a good person. Uh, but I said, man, what's, why don't I, I'm still not experiencing this. And verse 21 says, and Jesus, looking at him, loved him. Right? Jesus looked at him and was like, man, okay. I want you to experience this thing that you're yearning for. I, 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 he was feeling compassion for like the fact that he wasn't experiencing that deep desire of his heart. Jesus loved him and said, I lost my place. You lack one thing. Go, sell all that you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come, follow me. Wow, he loved him, and he said, get rid of everything you have. That's not usually what you think someone who loves you is going to tell you to do. But Jesus knew that his stuff, his possessions, his wealth, was of such importance in his life that it was keeping him from having God and his kingdom be at the forefront of his life. And he knew that the very best thing that this man could do would be to separate himself from all that stuff. Because that was keeping him from God being the first place in his life. From the kingdom of God being first. And God does the same thing for us. Um, in verse, let me keep reading here. It says, disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. So unfortunately, he, wasn't, he didn't have the faith to see that, wow, if I walk away from this, there's something better that God wants to give me. And so he didn't, at least at this point in his life, he didn't take that step. In verse 25, Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. Remember, it's not talking about just when you die, but now. It's tough for people who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. Why? Because like this guy, they're trusting in their wealth. Their trust, there's something else that's more important than entering into the reign of God's purpose, and the kind of life that he has for you. And the disciples were amazed at his words. They were like, in Jewish culture, being wealthy was like, was really valued. And people that were wealthy were respected. And so he said, well, if it's difficult for a wealthy person to enter the kingdom of God, what about the rest of us? Like, we, we must be farther away. They were a little slow to get it. And, and, but Jesus said to them, children, how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And they were exceedingly astonished and said to him, then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, with man it is impossible. It's been kind of a theme of our last, our last month. With man it is impossible, but not with God. For all things are possible with God. This is the work that God has to do in our hearts. and the last first. And so, man, there's a lot here, but Jesus says, Hey, if you walk away from those things, and they're different that looks different for different people. Peter was like, hey, we literally like left our possessions and left our family to follow you. And Jesus said, Hey, and you will be rewarded. You're going to have a hundred times as much of all that. You know, it's amazing to me. I've there have been some steps I've had to take of walking away from even my family and finances and different things but I've experienced this in my life. I was thinking about I could if when I travel and I I love traveling, but I can go to almost any there's almost every time I go to a city I know somebody there who's a believer who I've had some relationship with with someone in the past in the last couple decades of walking with God who has said, "Hey, come stay with me. You've got a home here in Boston." You've got a home here in Atlanta. You've got a home here in Shanghai. It's they, I've got homes all over the world that there's family there. There's something so much greater than what I've left. And you know the, the way that the, the blessings of the kingdom play out in our life are just phenomenal in, in, in ways beyond what we can imagine. And so how do we seek first the kingdom? Well, I just want to give us three, three quick things, and then we're going to talk about this a little bit at our table. Um, the first thing we've got to do is turn away from trusting other things. To seek first the kingdom, nothing else can be first. And so we have to turn away from trusting something else. It could be money, it could be success, it could be romance, it could be a job, whatever it is, there are things that all of us have a temptation to trust in. And to seek first the kingdom, it's a matter of saying, you know what, I'm not going to trust in that. I'm going to seek first and value first the kingdom of God. And then, all these things will be added to us. So we turn away from other things. The second aspect of seeking first the kingdom is embracing the lordship of Jesus. In the kingdom of God, there is a king. And the king is Jesus. And a lot of times, when I was growing up, I heard a lot about Jesus being savior. But not so much about him being king. Not so much about him being lord. And... In the kingdom of God, it's embracing, okay, he's my king. He's my Lord. He's my leader. He is the one that I, ultimately, he's the one I will stand before and give an account to my life for. And he's the one who I long to serve and live for. And it's not about my will being done, my desires, but it's about his will being done, his kingdom. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so, I have to ask that question, and man, it's a daily question. What am I living for today? Am I living for what I want? Or am I living for what I think will make me happy? Or am I going to live for King Jesus? Okay, seek first his kingdom. I'm going to embrace the kingdom of God. I'm going to embrace the lordship of Jesus. Um, and, his, and it's interesting, it says, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. And righteousness, that word can also be translated justice. There's, it's, that idea again is seeing God's justice come in the world. Seeing things come into our lives and come into the world God wants them to be. But today a lot of times people like to talk about justice or social justice. And it's interesting, we, the things that we, that are often considered social justice are things that God says are wicked. And we call it justice. We're, We're, I have a heart for social justice, but we're, advocating things that God says are completely unrighteous. And so in the kingdom of God, it's saying, no, there is a king, and he has standards, he has righteousness. There's, there are things that he says, this is what's right, this is what's wrong, this is what brings blessing, this is what's good. It's, it's his righteousness and his kingdom. Um, it's also something that only he can bring about. In, in Philippians 3, Paul talks about, he says, I, I want to be found having a righteousness not of my own, but a righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. And that's, that's how the kingdom, it's not just like we can strive to do this on our own, but it's God brings his kingdom. He gives us his righteousness and transforms us from the inside out. So we turn from other things, we embrace the lordship of Jesus, and then we've got to be intentional about spreading it. And I believe, you know, this year that God wants to give us a fresh vision for God. How do you want your kingdom to come in my life? And how do you want your kingdom to come through my life? Um, you know, the kingdom of God is the one thing that's big enough for the whole world. And in two, two weeks, we're going to start with the Great Commission of going and making disciples of all the nations, of seeing God's kingdom come and fill all the world. But it's also small enough for each individual life. It's, okay, God, how does your kingdom come in my life? How can I see your kingdom come? As Reagan was talking about, you know, each one of us is in the kingdom because someone else had faith to see someone get saved. Someone else had faith to see someone around them come into the kingdom of God and prayed for them and shared the gospel with them. And as we have faith for people around us, the kingdom of God spreads. As we have, we've talked about how the kingdom of God has different spheres, and there's a, you know, a picture we looked at a few weeks ago of the different spheres of the kingdom of God, of our of church and family and our personal life and our jobs. As we go into those spheres of our life with a vision, see, God, how can you bring your flourishing in the world? through my kingdom. We seek first the kingdom. Everything else falls into place. So I I believe God wants to give us a bigger vision for the kingdom of God in and through our lives this year. All right, we're going to do this as we bring it home. We're going to talk about this at at our tables. So I've got two questions. Um, Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. How do we bring this home into our own lives? Well, two questions. First of all, what is the biggest hindrance to you seeking first the kingdom? And then, are you ready to turn from this in order to seek first the kingdom? What would that look like? All right, so think about that if you haven't already. What? What's the biggest hindrance to you seeking first the kingdom? And are you ready to turn from that to seek first the kingdom? And then two, is there anywhere you see God leading you to be intentional about spreading his kingdom in the upcoming year. Alright? We'll have those on the screen. Um, let's take like seven minutes. Can we do that? Maybe ten minutes. Let's take ten minutes. Five minutes for each question. To talk about that at your table. And then if you guys want to pray for one another, you can if you have time. Um, but let's, let's just really bring this home into how it applies to our own individual lives.